0: RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Season 4, Episode 13, Star Trek Phase 2 Production Reports, Part 1, 1977.
1: Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host... Dr. Check, Larry Nemechek.
0: Oh, welcome back Star Trek fans. Have we got... <laughs> we have a show for you today. Yes, and of course I mean all of you Trekophiles, spelled with an F. Hey, listen, you media historians, you better jump in here too. We've got such a special show today. A special guest. We're going back to the motion picture era. Hey, happy 40th anniversary of the motion picture. Here's um... A known and often discussed curious corner of the motion picture, but we're going to dive in like I don't think anyone has ever been able to dive in before, thanks to today's guest. But of course, as always, you have to check out our Documents of the Week, our actual Trek Files. Go to the Facebook page, The Trek Files, right? Read along with us. Here's an interesting sample, because today we're dealing in production reports. So take a listen, and then come right back and I'll be here with our very special guest today. Daily Production Report Star Trek Test Friday, October 28th, 1977 Bridge Set and Recreation Room David Reney Robert Perot, Paul Pape Raymond O'Neill Carl Weintraub Ralph Seymour Bruce Fairbairn David Gutro. Well, truckophiles, if that didn't get your, your juices flowing, um, <laughs> you know I don't lie to you, and today is a really special episode. Uh, I am so thrilled to welcome uh, a man who's been a working actor all his life, who's, whose life was not radically altered by the effects of today. Uh, been a good life, been a good career, but he has so much to share with us today. I just want to say, David Gattrall. The man who would be Zahn, who you may know out there, uh, Trekland, as uh, Commander Branch from the motion picture, uh, is joining us today to talk about the whole odyssey that was his connection to the motion picture. David, thank you so much for being with us well, today.
1: Larry, I love the Star Trek fans. I love their allegiance to all things Gene Roddenberry. Uh, Gene was a giant in my life. Uh, he was one of the greatest humans I'd ever met. Uh, Zon, today I actually feel like Zahn. It's a great feeling. <laughs> it really is. It's Yes, it's 42 years ago, mm-hmm. which is remarkable. Uh, but the memories are very fresh, and I really do appreciate the opportunity to share them with what I consider the greatest and most educated fan base in the world, which are obviously the Star Trek fans. You will get no argument here, yeah. They come up with things for me to look at. They come up with memories that they've been holding on to themselves, and they ask me to verify their memory. And it gives me a great opportunity to just reflect, of course, and to say, yeah, that was absolutely true. That is what Gene was all about. And as a young man, which is what I was at that time, Mm -hmm. a person of such merit uh, as he was, uh, this is a quick one. He said, David, I don't write science fiction. You need to know that. I only write science fact, but it's fact that people just don't know about yet. If you're going to be my science officer, which you are, You need to understand that everything I'll have you say is fact. Are you ready? Not by this time. (laughs) I'm shaking. I'm like, oh, of course I'm ready. Oh, yeah, that's me. I'm I'm a JPL, future, you know, I'm an actor. So uh, through Gene, he introduced me to some of the giants of NASA because they were his Best friends. Right. They were his influencers, and they were the ones who were already creating the universe that you and I and John here uh, use as a daily tool, like our personal communication devices. Uh, like he introduced mm-hmm. me to the man who created CD. Huh? <laughs> What's up with that? And this gentleman said to me, You know, there can only be one universal language, right, David? Yes, yeah, of course. He says, it ain't French and it's not English. I go, well, what could it be? He says, math. Mm. Math is a universal language. So therefore, that's CD. That was the beginning of my education into all the possibilities that Star Trek was exploring, which is possibilities. Possibilities. Yeah
0: and that's a good metaphor for our whole conversation today you said 42 years we should clarify people are right now celebrating the big 40 for the motion picture release mm-hmm.
1: but the saga here we're talking about begins 2 years prior october 1977 for me right that's where the odyssey began now
0: you uh have had a wonderful career since then but at the time we're a young actor and i think you mentioned me off mike you were not represented how in the world did you come the the great thing about our of course our documents i hope you're following with us uh an actual audition process what we have here is a call sheet or Mm -hmm. a production report actually not the call sheet the day of Mm -hmm. footage Mm -hmm. (laughs) shot uh times in and out um It was like the finalists are down here, and you're one of the finalists at this point on the October 28th, the first, the earlier of our documents here. How did you get to that point to be one of the five finalists here for Zon? A
1: girlfriend who was working as a secretary. It's always a girl. I love that. (laughs) Uh, Her name was Joanne. Very beautiful, and she was a secretary at a well-known agency, and she aspired to be an agent. And I was, at that moment in my life, an unrepresented, mostly theater actor, if not exclusively Mm -hmm. theater actor. Um, And she liked me. I'm winking. (laughs) She liked me a lot. Big smile. She uh, said, why don't you just please produce some usable 8x10 black and whites and a resume? I said, what could I possibly put on my resume? She says, just put anything you want. Just create a resume. I'll start, quote, submitting you for things that I think you're right for. The agents will never know because it'll just go out in the envelopes. At that (gasps) time, I was doing a stage production. The days before you had to have a reel. Oh yeah, not <laughs> demo, no DVDs, none of that stuff. Just some eight by tens. I was doing a stage production of the great play Tom Jones. I was playing mm-hmm. Tom. Ironically, Michelle Billy, who is John Polville's wife today, was my love interest in that production of oh, Tom all right. Jones. Who was great. in your scene in who your scene In the command command nine. branch. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, so I'm doing the stage production where I had to learn how to fence. Mm-hmm. Okay. And a role comes up on The Man from Atlantis, which was a Patrick Duffy right. vehicle. And it looked for actors who could speak the Queen's English and were good with a sword. <laughs> and uh, this young, beautiful girl, Joanne, slipped my picture into the casting uh, submissions. Uh, okay. I go in. I audition. Of course, I say, yes, I'm a very good swordsman. It's sort of an Elizabethan drama. The man from Atlantis falls through a crack in the ocean after an explosion has occurred and wakes up slumped against a fountain in Verona. And who comes upon the near-naked man from Atlantis in his yellow bathing suit is Romeo and his good friend Mercutio. Oh, Romeo was played by John Shea, a wonderful actor. Right. And I played the character of Samson, one of Shakespeare's original characters. This was characters. an actual time travel piece we, actually, for the series. This was an absolute, okay. I can remember where we shot it, up at a convent up in the San Andreas Mountains here in Southern California. We're all dressed in Elizabethan garb, and I had to throw my sword in Patrick Duffy's face and challenge him to some kind of a duel and, you know, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. The rest of the cast was fantastic. Lisa Eisenberg and uh, Rosanna Arquette's father was also, mm-hmm. he played the, it was a marvelous cast. And that was my first ever, ever television or otherwise paid job. Wow. As the guest star of A Man from Atlantis.
0: And we, we should tell everybody, Remind, Man from Atlantis was in that first wave of, oh, my God, Star Wars, quick, get some sci-fi TV. We need sci-fi shows. And As a, we were shooting
1: yeah. it, Patrick Duffy, who had a great sense of humor about himself, you know, one of the handsomest guys he'd ever been and, near. And before Dallas, this we should Before out, Dallas.
0: Obviously, right.
1: Uh, he said it out loud, this is a turkey. And I guess he understood, because the show was canceled after 13 episodes. I was in just that one episode called, literally, The Naked Montague. So for all you people out there, look it up. Right. You'll find The Naked Montague. That was the title of the episode. But hey, now you've got a pro credit. But now I have an actual working credit. It inspired this same beautiful girl, Joanne, to submit my picture and resume, now with The Naked Montague, Man Mm -hmm. from Atlantis, credit. (laughs) Actual legit. Pat Harris... Mm -hmm. The casting director at Paramount Who I'd learned had been in long search for this role For the revival of Star Trek Mm -hmm. Uh, I read about the role I read the breakdown I probably, hopefully, read some of the material, and then I go in and had a meeting with Pat Harris.
0: And, and if there is at anyone,
1: Aramont.
0: at, at Trekoviles, I realize we're all coming from different places. If there is a refresher here needed, basically the story of Phase 2, the TV show, mm-hmm. the revival of Star Trek, was that all the cast was reassembled yeah. for another five-year mission after the 60s, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's a little older everyone agreed to that except Leonard Nimoy that's correct So the, the, and the characters of Decker and Ilea were created for phase 2 rather than having Spock that wound up in the motion picture surviving to that phase and rather than having Spock back the decision was made to have a Vulcan but a pure blood Vulcan, not half human much younger so you'd have the Vulcan aspect to play off of Kirk and McCoy both would have that but it would not be Spock that's correct. Correct. So I'm, I'm sure they, they, how they explained it to you, but that's what the conceit was. In the moment that Leonard came back for the movie, that all changed, and we mm-hmm. will get to that. Yes.
1: But in the moment, so hi Pat. Now, question: I'm David, had you been a Star Trek fan at, you know, at all, zero? That's, okay. I was without a television. Mm-hmm. I had gone to university. <laughs> Nobody had televisions at the university that I went to. Star Trek, as we knew it, was in the late 60s. I know it was in syndication because going further now, once Mm -hmm. I was cast, I realized I have a lot of catching up to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know who these people are. I didn't know the legacy of these great characters of Kirk or her and Chekhov. And I knew nothing of Leonard Nimoy. I knew nothing of Mr. Spock. Nothing. Totally nothing. The breakdown of the role was... A 25-year-old, fresh out of the Vulcan Science Academy, top of his class. Uh, and here was a character piece that I immediately was riveted by. Before his first commission, which he was anticipating after graduating top mm-hmm. of his class, he had gone off on a high-fasted fast meditation in the desert, sort of a Christ-like thing, uh-huh. and had... Fasted for 14 days before being commissioned in an emergency scenario onto the Enterprise because they were absent a science officer. He arrives looking a bit like Jesus, (laughs) long-haired, smelling to high heaven. Where have I heard and seen this? Not once, but twice over the years. But go ahead. And of course, was immediately greeted by Dr. McCoy. Mm -hmm. Couldn't fathom that this thing that had just arrived on the Enterprise was actually the science officer. He immediately sends Zahn off to the sick bay and thus our adventures begin. All right. So all I gravitated to is And that the, was the original script for the pilot. This was the script. For In Thy in Image. In Thy
0: Image. How we in, how we're met with Zahn That's in the beginning. Correct. Okay. And so all that backstory is in that or is some I of think that your creation?
1: that some of the creation? breakdown that I've just cited was, uh-huh. you know, uh, the things that I gravitated to. Well, I didn't go to West Point myself, but I acquitted it to a person who graduated top of his class at West Point. So I figured this guy was a very smart very knowing, mm-hmm. a very apt, and very ready-to-go kind of a human being. That was my take. I didn't know anything about being a Vulcan. You know, there were no encyclopedias <laughs> of Vulcan back then. But I... Well, you oh, had I, to know where to look, maybe. I, <laughs> From I a fan
0: typewriter at the I time. I could
1: remember doing my, quote, initial reading with the casting mm-hmm. director, Ben mm-hmm. Harris, Um, and then she says, I'd like you to eventually meet the writer, uh, the producer, and the director, which Mm -hmm. is what happened. I eventually had another audition. With uh, Bob Goodwin and Mr. Collins, the director. I remember sitting not far from them. About the phase two producer and the phase These two, two phase pilot two director, people. right? And uh, I remember in the close proximity, normally in an audition, there's some distance between you and the persons that mm-hmm. you're auditioning. I remember actually sitting fairly close to them, which is very odd, but that's my memory of it. Mm-hmm. And doing, quote, the auditions. I don't remember who was sitting across from me reading the lines with me. And it moved on pretty quickly from there to what you just showed me, which is my name on the top of this call sheet.
0: Well, that's amazing because, and were you aware, I'll tell everyone, remind everyone, that there was this, there was a huge call for actors. Tons of people read because the news was Star Trek's coming back finally you know after seven years in the wilderness here mm-hmm. you know there were more, two more to go mm-hmm. uh, but finally after two failed movie tries it's coming back except okay no Leonard Nimoy no Spock right. so there was all this pressure on them to create and write this character and then who in the world was going to be who's going to get
1: the awesome responsibility right which I did not view as an awesome responsibility well did you know person? it to that depth by absolutely then absolutely not yeah absolutely not Later, of course, it all became, (laughs) oh, don't you know he wrote a book called I'm Not Spock? Oh, don't you know he's doing a play on Broadway? I think he was doing Equus at the time. Oh, don't you know who he is? You know, Leonard Nimoy. And I go, the answer to everything is no, no, no. I don't know who he is. I don't know that he's doing a play on Broadway. I don't know that he'd written a book called I'm Not Spock. Uh, Did you want me to emulate him? And Gene was very adamant. Mm -hmm. No. Gene was thrilled at the character that he had created. His notes about Zahn are a treasure. Uh, The fun that he looked forward to in exploring this full Vulcan character and his attempts to ingratiate himself without working at it into the mix of characters that the audience already had a long relationship with. Uh, he spoke about Zahn in such fascinating terms that I. <laughs> to and I'm only going. I'm going a little bit ahead right now. I'm okay. sorry. To do Okay. That. I could stick to just the fabric of the screen test. Let's or do I that. Could, Let's do that. Right.
0: Let's do that and save on for same for a little, little later because we've got some, we've got actually two, which is there's a, a whole story in itself here. Yeah. So We've got this October twenty eighth, and I, as we kind of said, this is a screen test. So you've been through the audition, but there are four other zons down
1: here. Well, this was on a sound stage, right? At Paramount, which it's like the movies when you walk onto a sound stage and you've never been on a sound stage and you're on a studio like Paramount, and you've never been anywhere near a studio like Paramount. You've been doing Little Theater in New York Mm -hmm. off-off-Broadway and Little Theater in Burbank, Tom Jones. (laughs) Hey, look at me. And all of a sudden you're summoned for a, what, 8 a.m. call time to get into makeup so that you can be camera ready by approximately 9.15 so that you can be done. It's all so different than your experience. Mm -hmm. Walking onto that soundstage was thrilling. There was lights. There was a makeup artist. There was wardrobe. I mean, I felt like... And then you look around at the other guys. Mm -hmm. like at the other guys that are on this call sheet. Uh, I shouldn't name them. I'll let the producer or the director of this episode name them himself. (laughs) And you realize, oh, my God, this is a challenge. Oh, my God, this is and I've once said it was like I played tight end as a football player says, oh, this is like a football game. Somebody's going to throw the ball. Somebody has to catch the ball. And whoever catches the ball and scores a touchdown will win. So, David, (laughs) let's win. So, yes, it was both a contest. It was checking other guys out. By this Mm -hmm. time, you realize the character is an alien. Right. Right. He's described as a full right. Vulcan. Full Vulcan. I've educated myself at least a little bit by this point in time, realizing that he's not a he's not Brett Favre. He's not a <laughs> he's not Joe Namath, you know, he's not some clown from New York. He's a full Vulcan alien science officer, top of his class. There's all these mm-hmm. aspects that you're sort of integrating into yourself yes. and twenty five years old, which right. is about what I was at the time. And I said, Well, this is this is a challenge and I can't remember shooting the scene itself, partly because Zahn was a very focused human being. Vulcan being. Vulcan (laughs) being. Thank you very kindly for correcting me right away. His sense of focus was something that I found very easy to Mm -hmm. adopt. Mm -hmm. So, From the moment I sat in the chair at the council, I never felt like I was suddenly lights, camera, action. I felt more like this is this. This ain't something else. Uh, That other actor became Commander Decker. Mm -hmm. He was challenging my authority over rewriting the computer code. That's what the scene was about. He had spent X amount of time preparing it as the young captain or whatever Mm -hmm. his role was. I was this young science officer, and I knew better. I knew whatever coding that he had created, we could do better and quicker. So for me, it was that moment of sit in the chair, let's get on with this. And that has a lot to do with let's get on with this to the other actor. Mm -hmm. Let's get on with this. And I think that that's what infused... How I went at the role.
0: Just this, yeah. there is so much to dig into here, but I just want to make sure everyone's refreshed. Here we're talking about October twenty eighth, of seventy seven. So phase two was announced on June tenth of that year. They began building sets on July twenty fifth. Uh, They've been meeting on all the you know production aspects. Obviously, been auditioning and casting people. We've got the finalists here. When you went to that soundstage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's listed as being on bridge set and recreation room. Um, did you remember, was it a full set built? Was it just a... Because the screen test, it looks like it's a, they built a console, like a sample or a prototype or whatever.
1: Because it's a soundstage, their concern, of course, is that they get quality sound, quality lights, and quality mm-hmm. camera. For a screen so test. So you walk onto an atmosphere that you feel is very real for what mm-hmm. you're doing. Mm-hmm. So yes, the console... There was nothing in front of me. (laughs) There was no (laughs) iPad. There was no computer something.
0: Right, but I mean, was was there a full set built by then? There was a good, a a,
1: a backdrop, Uh you know, a solid backdrop. Uh, uh, It it felt um, um, as real as your imagination could fulfill it to be
0: well as we, as we look at the call sheet you can see that these pair that there are uh what, three deckers and five zons that okay. they're they're reading or they're looking at on camera mm-hmm. and they've got you paired with Bruce Fairbairn right and they look like they've staggered so that different zons could read with different deckers which is kind of a you know a process yeah. thing mm-hmm. what do you, we look at the list and i know you've got one here in your back pocket you mm-hmm. want to tell us about but mm-hmm. as we look at the list do you have any any memory of um I mean, did you, you saw your other Zons? Did you hang well, out while the others read and you were dismissed? Or how did that work?
1: Um, yes, A, the answer is I saw the other Zon wannabes. Mm-hmm. And I immediately classified them as Zon wannabes. <laughs> um, Very good. Um, that's me. That's uh-huh. my ego saying, oh, there's a wannabe. They just don't understand that I'm the real deal. It's a game. You know, you're playing a game. Right. You're competing. Do I remember their work? No. I certainly did not I mean, did you go to the room? I no, certainly did. Okay. did not I didn't stick so. around right. after my screen test. Right, I did not hang out and watch the others work. I recognize on this call sheet a person who's now actually a very dear friend, Paul Pape. And he was auditioning for the role of Zahn. We didn't know each other. They had actually just flown him in from New York, so that's how deep the search was mm-hmm. for this guy. A film that he had just shot had not yet been released, and it was Saturday Night Fever no. starring John Travolta, and he played JJ, that's one of right, John's big buddies in the show in the movie. Uh, he came out to New York. At their behest, so they paid for him to come in and, come do, the and do the screen test. Come to L.A. and do the screen He had done auditions in New York because there was a New York casting office and an L.A. casting office. He tells me that he was actually driven to the studio by Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman, whom he knew as personal friends in New York from a shared theater company experience, and that Rhea and Danny, or maybe just Danny, had just been in a movie called Car Wash, which was <laughs> just about to be released. Sidebar, directed by my wife's cousin, Joel Schumacher. Jo- Joel, Joel Schumacher, Schumacher, Schumacher is, is your is wife's, cousin. wife's cousin. That's correct. And so, New York is just a small town as L.A. New York is, LA. is a small town. <laughs> so he had wow. just directed his first feature film, which is Car Wash. Danny's in it. He decides with his wife, Rhea, you know, let's go see if we can make a life for ourselves in Los Angeles. They meet up with their friend Paul Pape who says, Hey, by the way, I've got this screen test over at Paramount. I don't even have a car. Oh, we'll give you a drive we'll ride you over to the studio. So that's Paul Pape's memory of being called in to do the screen test. The same day, this, the same this, what we're day. looking at here. We've now known each other as friends, completely isolated from this experience for the last decade, through a another mutual friend. And all of a sudden you send me this call sheet, I send it to Paul, I go, Hey Paul, guess what? You're on this call sheet. He says, "Yeah, I have a photograph of myself in ears, in character, from the screen test." Anyway, it's that's awful. amazing. But it you didn't—you didn't
0: remember that you were in the same audition until I mean, you didn't talk no. after you became friends with him.
1: After we became friends, you didn't
0: remember you shared this typical
1: audition. actor BS, yeah. hanging out, you know? I, uh, Paul, God, you were so great in Saturday Night Fever. And he goes, "Go, shut up. You were Lieutenant Zahn and I wasn't." <laughs> I went, that's what? amazing <laughs> I go what
0: <laughs> you know what I I had so much planned to talk about um, I, David but um, I, I pushed you no 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 this has been delightful I we just have to come back and finish it we've got more to talk about could you please come back and talk with us for another round?
1: you know how much I enjoy this universe and I really appreciate what you guys are doing so the answer is yes awesome awesome the trek files is produced by roddenberry entertainment executive producer
0: rod roddenberry all of our documents and your chance to comment are right there on facebook at facebook.com the trek files now for more great podcasts check out podcasts.roddenberry.com and for more deep diving of star trek behind the scenes visit dr trek and portal 47 that's me <laughs> at larry trek well everybody